Hey, everybody. This is Bob, uh, host of the Legalese podcast and, of course, everyone's favorite law-talking guy. I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. Now, of course, uh, you can uh, find me over at my website, which is legaleeshow.com. If you want to go check the podcast out or learn more about me, uh, read the articles, all right, stuff like that. But that's not really what we're doing today. And in fact, this isn't really uh, a normal episode uh, of my podcast. Uh, this is a little different. Uh, I have something of a project that I kind of want to work towards, and I'm hoping uh, maybe some of you guys out there uh, will be able to help me with this. Now, I'm sure m most of the people, perhaps even all of them who are listening to this, will be familiar with a young gentleman named David Hogg. Uh, he is really kind of the uh, darling of the anti-gun movement currently, and uh, he's one of those guys who is always trying to shoehorn his anti-gun views into a false notion that somehow the Second Amendment doesn't mean what it says. And also, on a number of occasions, he has expressed an openness and a willingness to have a discussion about gun control issues with the other side. And having a good, uh, respectful and discussion and debate with people who favor gun control is something that I always welcome as well. I would love to take David up on his offer. And in fact, I have tried a couple times in the past with no reply. Now, you would think that when uh, someone like myself reaches out to him, a, a you know, constitutional law attorney and scholar whose personal and professional, uh, personal interest and professional expertise uh, in constitutional law uh, initially came from my interest in Second Amendment jurisprudence, who also hosts a podcast against a surprisingly good mixed crowd of people who both agree and tend to disagree uh, with my underlying judicial philosophy of constitutional originalism and statutory textualism would be the perfect platform uh, for such a debate to take place. And I have no doubt that both sides uh, of you know, my listeners and probably people in general would be very interested in a discussion uh, between myself and someone like David Hogg. And so... For some reason, when I have uh, cordially uh, reached out to him before uh, to try to take him up on his generous offer to uh, get together for a discussion, uh, he, uh, I, I simply never uh, hear back from him. Now, I'm, I'm sure it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that uh, gun control arguments tend to only work as long as the only people listening to them are already gun control advocates who already agree with the premise uh, of instituting gun control uh, and thus lack any kind of, you know, actual scrutiny. So what I figure is if he uh, doesn't want to try to come together with the other side for a respectful discussion, maybe I will do what I can to bring the respectful discussion to him. And that's where I could use your guy's help. Now, I am just one guy, and I'm probably very easy to ignore, but I'm thinking maybe if you guys could uh, help uh, amplify my voice, uh, that just maybe we could get his attention. So today, I have got a short video I want to do that is debunking uh, a recent tweet of his uh, where he uh, says that the Second Amendment doesn't mean what it says, 
Uh, and I'm hoping you guys will help by taking up the task of uh, maybe just tweeting this video to him and just letting him know that there is uh, this person who would love to uh, have a respectful discussion with him on uh, gun control. And just, I, I'm sure everyone who is listening to me and who follows me here um, are good, decent people who would never harass anyone. But I just, I want to be perfectly clear here that I do not want anyone to, uh, you know, spam him or harass him or uh, get confrontational with him in any way. That's not what I want. I'm just hoping you will help uh, share this video to his Twitter account uh, and ask him why he isn't willing to uh, get together for such a respectful uh, discussion with a Second Amendment scholar, which he has seemed to indicate in the past that he is very much open to. So, the tweet that I'm going to be responding to is one that uh, David uh, posted yesterday. Uh, yesterday from the date of recording this. So it'll probably take a few days before it's out, but yeah, yesterday from the date of recording this, as, it, as you can see, I pulled it up here, and it says, The Second Amendment is a collective right, not an individual right. Hamilton knew this, the Federalist 29, as did the courts for several hundred years. The modern version only exists because of decades of work by the gun lobby done to change what 2A meant. So I want to start with something of a plea directly to David here. David, look, it's okay that you don't like guns. That is a perfectly reasonable position to have. Now, I happen to have a very different opinion. I believe gun ownership is a societal good for many reasons. But the thing is, our opinions about whether gun rights and gun ownership are good or bad are just that. They're opinions. My opinion does not rest on the validity of the meaning of the Second Amendment. If the Second Amendment didn't exist, I would have the exact same opinion because I believe, uh, well, I know that guns save far more lives than they take. And of course, this is backed up by absolutely every single study ever conducted on the statistics of defensive gun use. Now, academic studies consistently show that guns are used defensively between 1.5 million and 2 million times every single year in the United States. Uh, just like one survey uh, that just recently uh, came out a couple days ago. And this survey found, uh, this was the largest ever survey of American gun owners, and it found that defensive gun use with firearms uh, is very common. And I will be linking to both the article that I have pulled up in front of you right now, as well as a link to the full uh, study with all the data and everything that backs all of this up uh, down in the video's description. So you can and should uh, go check that stuff out. And as you can see here, the article states that in what was the largest and most comprehensive survey of American gun owners ever conducted, they found that firearms are used about 1.7 million times a year. Now, if you remember, uh, the general figure I mentioned just a moment ago said that surveys, plural, tend to find 1.5 million to 2 million defensive gun uses every year. Now, this is based on 
it's based both on surveys of gun owners, just like this latest one that we're talking about right now. Uh, but the thing is that this data is also consistent with studies that are done uh, when, by people who look at the number of police reports that show defensive gun use, uh, as well as by the FBI's Uniform Crime Statistics Surveys that they put out every year, uh, which is helpful because even uh, if you uh, don't want to assume that w gun owners are being accurate or honest here about defensive gun uses, you don't have to take their word for it because, as you can see, the this would mean that the police who receive and investigate police reports and the FBI statisticians who aggregate all of that data both look at these police reports and they have both reached conclusions based on their professional expertise that the cases that they are relying on are legitimate instances of a defensive gun use. And furthermore, uh, as you can see here, uh, this same survey uh, also talks about the fact that uh, semi-automatic sporting rifles and firearms with a magazine capacity of more than 10 rounds turn out to also be incredibly common in defensive gun uses. But neither that statistical data that shows guns save exponentially more lives than they take, uh, or the opinion of someone like myself or of a David Hogg as to whether or not the fact that guns protect many, many, many more lives than they take is enough of a moral and a legal justification for people to have the right to own a gun to defend themselves has nothing to do with the meaning of the Second Amendment. Neither of our personal subjective opinions need to line up with the meaning of the Second Amendment for them to be valid opinions because they are opinions. Your opinion that guns are bad is perfectly respectable all on its own. Now, the fact is that the Second Amendment absolutely does protect an individual right to keep and bear arms, and I will be uh, just proving the argument to the contrary here in just a moment. But what I would uh, like to stress, David, is that uh, I actually genuinely think that you are doing uh, yourself and your cause a disservice by trying to pretend the Second Amendment means something that it does not. But in all fairness, it's incredibly commonplace to find people on all sides of any politicized issue who will believe that the criteria for whether something is constitutional or unconstitutional is that if they personally agree with a policy and support the outcome, it's constitutional. If they personally disagree with a policy and they dislike the outcome, that makes it unconstitutional. But that notwithstanding, I'm not sure why you wouldn't just cut to the quick and say, yes, the Second Amendment protects an individual right, but I think an individual right to keep and bear arms is a bad thing in spite of that, uh, and I think that we would move society forward by trying to repeal the Second Amendment and then to ban guns. But if you want to continue to pretend that because you don't like guns, the Second Amendment doesn't protect a right to own guns, I'm happy uh, to take on that argument as well. 
Now, the first thing is something you do a lot, uh, which is something you did in this tweet here, too, is you will talk about uh, the, the past history and you'll say that, you know, it never used to be this way or the courts never said this or, you know, for hundreds of years, the courts said uh, you use that all the time. Now, if that's true, that there is this ample body of evidence from the courts for centuries saying over and over that there is no such thing as an individual right to keep and bear arms, if that is, is real, you should have absolutely no problem citing the litany of court cases that back up your claim. So please show me where and when in the United States we have these many examples of courts ruling that the Second Amendment is a collective right to have a militia. You know, the, the problem is that I, like, I can argue against your, uh, your argument about Federalist 29 when you say that that says it's a collective right because Federalist 29 actually exists. But I can't argue against a claim that doesn't exist. So I either need you to provide the evidence that backs up that claim or, you know, stop making it. Now, moving on to Federalist 29. The first problem with saying that Federalist 29 is Hamilton uh, saying the Second Amendment only protects a collective right is that that is quite literally impossible. That's because this particular essay by Hamilton spoke to the meaning... I, I'm sorry, excuse me. That to say that this spoke to the meaning of the Second Amendment is impossible because, as you can see uh, on this article that I've just pulled up here, that Federalist 29 was published on January 9th of 1788. Whereas the Bill of Rights was only accepted uh, by Congress and submitted to the states for ratification uh, nearly two years later than that in September 25th of 1789. Now, and what's more is, as you can see here, when the Bill of Rights was originally uh, approved by Congress and submitted to the states for ratification, there were actually 12 amendments there, uh, and some of them got cut out, some things got combined, and we ended up with the 10 amendments that everyone knows and loves. And so, really, the Second Amendment, you couldn't properly say uh, existed until it was uh, the Bill of Rights was ratified by the requisite number of states to make the, the Bill of Rights, the final version of it, the supreme law of the land. And that didn't happen until December 15th of 1791. So we're, not we're now talking about almost four years after Hamilton wrote Federalist 29. That is the first time that the Second Amendment even existed. I, and I just, I'm pretty sure Hamilton's essay wasn't an argument against something that didn't exist. And furthermore, the fact is that absolutely nothing in Federalist 29 
has anything to do whatsoever with the actual protection of either an individual right or a collective right to keep and bear arms. The only thing that it is about is it has to do with the Constitution's proposed militia powers. Now, these powers are in Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 15 and 16. So, uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, the Militia Clause reads, The Congress shall have the power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union and to uh, suppress insurrections and to repel invasions. And Article 1, Section 8, Clause 16, the Organizing the Militia Clause reads, The Congress shall have the power to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. So, when Hamilton wrote Federalist 29, he wasn't talking about anybody's rights. He was talking about government powers. And this distinction is important because the Constitution does not grant people their rights. Now, it just so happens that there happens to be a handy list at the end of that document that specifically mentions some of the more important individual rights and what they are, but it doesn't grant those rights. That's not how the Constitution works. How the Constitution works is by limiting the powers of our federal government to those powers which are expressly delegated in the document. So, in other words, the Constitution is not the law that governs us. The Constitution is the law that governs those who govern us. And this is yet another reason the Second Amendment isn't the thing that protects the right to keep and bear arms. That right is protected because absolutely nowhere in the Constitution do you find a clause that grants any part of the federal government any kind of power to disarm the people in any way. So all he is doing is explaining what the powers given to Congress under Clause 15 and Clause 16 empower Congress to do. There is absolutely nothing anywhere in Federalist 29 that would possibly suggest that Hamilton is talking about any kind of right, especially not a right to keep and bear arms, and therefore clearly not distinguishing between an individual or a collective right to keep and bear arms. So, please, if you would tell me, where exactly it is in Federalist 29 that you claim to see this collective right to keep and bear arms argument? Because I can't argue with things that don't exist. And while Federalist 29 exists, no part of it that says the Second Amendment is a collective right exists. So, uh, yeah. If you would be uh, able to, you know, possibly give a specific citation of exactly where you believe Hamilton is making this argument for a collective uh, right of gun ownership. And 
yeah, just feel free to get back to me uh, at any point when you find that you can cite the court cases that prove your point that this is how the courts used to see the Second Amendment. And when you can find the area of, you know, Federalist 29 that doesn't actually exist that will uh, show that what you are talking about is actually backed up anywhere uh, in law. Or, as I have suggested before, perhaps stop doing yourself and your cause a disservice by trying to shoehorn your subjective opinions about why guns are bad into this legal document. Again, there is absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever with you saying, I understand the Second Amendment protects a right to keep and bear arms, but I think that's a bad idea and our government should not be bound by the limits of the Constitution. So, while I wholly disagree with you at your position that guns are bad and people shouldn't have them, it is a perfectly respectable argument to make if that's what you believe. And it's an argument you have a natural right to make, in fact, in accordance with the individual right to speak and publish your opinions freely. So, uh, everyone, I am going to be putting a link uh, in the video's description to where uh, David's uh, particular tweet that I just quoted from can be found, as well as a link to his Twitter homepage. Uh, and I would appreciate it if you guys who uh, see this would be willing to pop over there real quick and just make sure to uh, share this video with him and to uh, respectfully, respectfully let him know that if he actually does want to engage in a public discussion with people who fall on the other side of the gun rights, gun control issue, that there is a particular legal scholar with a podcast and a platform uh, that has the precise kind of knowledge that it would take to have such a, a you know discussion about the Second Amendment, uh, as well as a discussion about uh, whether a continued respect for the right to keep and carry arms is or is not a societal good. And I would love a chance to engage with David in that conversation uh, and to give him a chance to change my mind on this issue, which is something I am very much open to. And in fact, something I don't really talk about very often here is that uh, I actually have changed my mind on this before. Uh, in fact, for a number of years, I was actually very, very anti-gun myself. And I, I think I may have even taken a more radical uh, stance than David does currently. I'm not sure exactly how far he would take gun control if it were up to him. But I, for a number of years, I was someone who actually looked at Britain and Australia and their arms confiscation. And I thought that that seemed like a good idea that we should pursue here in the United States. Now, this was until I was exposed to an even more compelling argument that I was mistaken and that gun seizures are definitely not a societal good. But just as I have remained open to changing my mind about that in the past, I remain open to an even more compelling argument than what I believe now. And if you believe you can make that argument, David, I welcome you uh, to talk with me and to do it. So yeah, that's all I've got for you guys here today. Uh, thank you so much for giving me your time. Uh, and if David Hogg, if you do see this video, I, I appreciate you taking the time to watch it uh, and to uh, give this some consideration. Uh, and so 
uh, for anyone out there, if you want to uh, get in touch with me or, or find out more about the, the podcast I do, you can go check out my website. It is legalese Or if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can send an email to bob at legalese So thank you guys so much. Uh, Dave, I hope to hear from you sometime soon. I would very much welcome it. And uh, until next time, as always, Cartago de Lenda. Est. What the fuck?